<laughs> Happy finale, guys. Happy season finale of Magnum B.I., baby. We just popped a bottle of champagne. We're we had on... a very underwhelming little pop there yeah. for a moment. <laughs> it was going to be a little louder. But here we are. We're making mimosas to celebrate. And if you're watching on YouTube, we're a little dressed up for the occasion. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is so exciting. I know. We did a whole month of episodes, girl. I know. Or a whole month. A whole season of episodes. I know. 20. That's a really big commitment, especially considering they're like an hour apiece. Yeah. We did that. We did that. We learned how to research these things. Uh -huh. We really got into it. How to edit, AdSense, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok. We did that. And I did it with my best friend. You did it with my best friend. Yeah. Oh, my God. God. So, hey guys, it's Casey. And Lauren. And this is... Magnum B.I., the true crime podcast where we add a little social justice commentary, a little bit of comedy, and a mimosa at 12.30 in the afternoon. On a Thursday. <laughs> On a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we already mentioned, we're back for part two of the season finale, and we're ready to get a little tipsy, talk about the Murdoch dynasty and get into the final episode of season one. Mm -hmm. are, yeah. you, are you ready? I think I'm ready. So I, if you haven't seen last week's episode, I kind of set up the exposition for the story in a lot of the background about the family and all that. Mm -hmm. I know um, more or less what happens with the rest of the story, but there are definitely going to be a lot of details that I haven't read. So I'm excited to hear what Lauren brings to the table. We're going to get into the twists, the turns, the swerves, the curves, <laughs> all of it. So I hope you guys are ready and I hope you enjoy our last episode. And we'll see you guys after this in about a month, give or take, maybe mid-September mm -hmm. for season two. Yep. So we're going to figure out some logistical stuff. We might be doing a little bit of rebranding. We're not not quite sure yet but there will be plenty of updates on social media and i don't fucking know you'll know what we're doing when yeah. we're doing it so yeah, yeah. let's get into let's it let's get into it As we discussed in the last episode, the tragic boating accident that claimed the life of Mallory Beach was the beginning of the end. Just as the tip of the iceberg lies at the surface of the crushing depths below, on that fateful June night, it was still unknown the lengths that Alex Murdoch would sink to in an attempt to resurrect an already decaying dynasty. As we finish the final episode of season one, let's discuss the allegations and subsequent legal proceedings that have occurred up to the time of this recording, August 4th, 2022. Shit! Okay. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Also, you should, you should write. I'm not joking. That was actually really beautiful. Um, can I share a little secret with you? Yeah. I used to write a lot of fan fiction. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I, I wrote a lot of fan fiction. What was your, we'll, we'll end this tangent in a second, but what was your like, what fandom did you write for? Can I whisper it to you? Yeah. Italian. Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be a page, uh, Patreon exclusive, but yeah. I'm not ready to reveal that part of myself no, yet. That was, that was. So, anyways, the murders. As previously mentioned, the legal dynasty of the Murdoch family was the stuff of legend. 
despite Alex's son, Paul, being the heavily intoxicated driver during the boating accident that killed Mallory Beach, police officers at the scene, and even Mallory's own friends, knew it was unlikely he would ever be held accountable by the police in their hometown. As the deaths began to stack up, the Murdoch name was mentioned more times than it should have. It seemed the family was involved in more shady dealings than anyone was ready to admit. Though Mallory's passing wasn't the first wrongful death the Murdochs were connected to, it's considered the beginning of the downfall, as due to its infamy, became the first case to draw outside scrutiny from the rest of the country, and would subsequently allow the holes in the other two seemingly accidental deaths to be put under a microscope. Because, I don't know if you remember, but I feel like I heard whisperings of the boat crash in 2019, just because of like how fucked up and crazy it was you know i mean it's not every day that some like super rich random kid in the south accidentally kills their friend in a bui situation (laughs) boating under the influence which is fucking crazy yeah yeah i think i heard about it in the sense that it was just like the amount of privilege this kid has that could get away with that Mm -hmm. i don't i didn't hear about the rest of Mm -hmm. the family allegation connections Mm -hmm. you know because it's all just coming to light now yeah so Let's do a small recap quick. In 2015, the Murdochs found themselves tied to the death of 19-year-old Stephen Smith, whose body was recovered 10 miles from their family home. His cause of death was hotly debated from the moment the body was recovered, receiving different claims on the death certificate that ranged from a possible shooting to vehicular homicide. Initially, it seemed the only connection between Stephen's death and the Murdoch family was proximity. However, once the police began interviewing the Smith family and other members of the community, it became clear that the rabbit hole went deeper than anyone had realized. Here's what we know so far. Rumors began circulating that Stephen had been involved with an older man at the time of his death. Whether this relationship was romantic or purely sexual was never determined, but the two met often. And this older man was also paying Stephen's phone bills at the time. Throughout... Right? Okay. (laughs) Are you ready? So... Throughout the course of the interviews, the Murdoch family name was dropped more than 40 times. Oh my god. More specifically, Buster Murdoch, Alex's oldest son, was mentioned by name 24 times. Oh my god. The context of the name dropping was never specified or has never been released to the public for obvious reasons. Despite all of this, the police only contacted Buster once. He didn't pick up the phone and his voicemail box was full, so they sent him an email, which he also ignored. They never ended up hearing back from him, and they never pursued it further. You know, you can show up at his doorstep, right? You can give him a little knock, Yeah, you you can. You can pop in. You can say, hi, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) Why was your name dropped 24 times in this interview? And why is your voicemail box full, bro? Yeah, what are you doing? Let's sort through that. Let's let's unpack that, shall we? So, the investigator... Well, the investigators would go on to contact multiple other alleged parties, but all these leads would eventually go cold. While this was the first strange death that the Murdoch family was connected to chronologically, sloppy police work and botched coroner reports would provide more than enough plausible deniability to allow the family an easy out, which... Of course, their weight within the South Carolina legal system also, you know, helped in that regard. So they slipped out of that thing. Then there was the death of the Murdoch's housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, who had worked for the family for 20 years. Her cause of death was determined to be an accidental trip and fall down the front staircase in the family home, but was marked as natural on her death certificate which is like if it was an accidental death it's not natural and if it's natural it's not accidental hello yeah so weird 
her time of death, the Murdoch family had a couple rambunctious dogs that would often like run around the home and knock people over. I hate that. I, I fucking hate, hate that. Hate, like I love dogs, <laughs> but I hate when you go to someone's house and their dogs are like jumping on you and no. barking at you. No. And, like, I, I really love like a well-behaved dog that'll like cuddle with you yeah. or will like lick your hand. But if they're jumping at you and they have long nails and they're scratching Ugh. you and licking your face and there's hair everywhere that just I fucking hate I that. I hate that. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm a dog person. I'll say it. I fucking love all animals, but I cannot stand when there's like a big dog that's trying to knock you over. I hate that. So it was assumed that the animals had something to do with Gloria's spill. Like it was assumed that they might've knocked her down the stairs or pushed her over or something, but these claims were never verified. It was just like a rumor that was kind of circulating and the Murdochs never confirmed or denied. Okay. I'm going to say <laughs> If there were rumors circulating that my dogs tripped my housekeeper and she fell to her death, even if I know that's not true because I allegedly kill, had something to do with her being killed, I would be like, I'm getting rid of these dogs. Yeah. At least for show. Mm-hmm. Like, how are people going to be like, oh yeah, it's those damn dogs, and mm-hmm. you're going to be like, oh, I love my snowflake. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, Fluffy's going to chill here, yeah. even though he has blood dripping from his mouth. <laughs> He's going to hang. It's fine. It's whatever. Like, Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, that being said, at the funeral, Alex set Gloria's remaining sons up with an attorney to spearhead a wrongful death settlement. Unbeknownst to the two, this attorney was a close personal friend of the Murdoch family. Mm. The attorney, Corey Fleming, worked to secure a $4.3 million settlement with the Murdochs, which would have amounted to a $2.8 million payout for each son. So, you know, considering the family was involved in their death in some regard, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. However... It was later revealed that Alex used his connections with Mr. Fleming to steal $3.1 million from the death settlement money. Oh my god, are you kidding me? No. Fuck that. And this wasn't even made aware, the kids weren't even made aware until like after all of this had happened. And they got like new attorneys to reopen the case and like just like dig more into their mother's death and be like, you know, what's going on here? So he, he fully stole yeah. the death settlement money from the family of, from this grieving family. Yeah. And meanwhile, their mom is dead. Yeah. Like they have to do all this without like the guidance and like the love of their mother, mm-hmm. you know? Which like, is so fucked up. Oh my God. That's like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. All this to say, this brings us to the namesake case of this convoluted path. The murders of Paul and Maggie, Alex's wife and son. On June 7, 2021, Alex placed a frantic 911 call after discovering the bodies of his wife and son who had been shot outside of their home near the family dog kennel. At Paul's time of death, he had been awaiting sentencing after pleading guilty to three felony BUI charges he had accrued after Mallory's death. However, upon the arrival of emergency services, neither person was breathing. Both were pronounced dead at the scene. Police discovered multiple shell casings at the scene of the crime and a vehicle from a local tow truck company. And I'm not sure how the tow truck is like connected to all of that, but they made sure to note it in the article that I was reading. So I'm I'm interested to see if that comes back somehow. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, there isn't much information that's been made available to the public at this time. 
Alex's lawyers have vehemently denied him being involved in the murders in any way. But, you know, considering a lot of his actions up until this point, I can see where prosecutors could use evidence from his past actions to build a case against him. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. So um, we're going to discuss some of the other shady dealings that he's been involved with. Yeah. Number one. Officers on the scene investigated the surrounding area for surveillance footage at local homes and businesses to determine whether or not Alex was connected to the double homicide. However, once the police report was made available to the public, much of their findings were heavily redacted, leaving nothing but bare-bones descriptions of the observations made by the officers. No. (laughs) No, I don't like that. I really don't like that. Yeah, and the entire report was like blacked out with a sharpie that that bothers me yeah yeah like i get when it's an ongoing investigation you don't want to release too much information kind of vibe but it's like then don't release anything Mm -hmm. and and make it really obvious that there's like something that you don't want the public to see don't be like weird and shady and like redact words Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so you know whether there was surveillance footage or not we don't know because that information was omitted completely from the police report yeah Of course. So, number two, at the same time as he was being investigated for the double homicide, Alex was tied back to other criminal activities alleged by his former partners at PMPED, which, as you'll remember from last episode, is the law firm he was a part of that was, like, from the uh, Murdoch family name. And every time I hear it, I think, pumped! Pumped! (laughs) So, Alex was accused of bribery, embezzlement, two counts of obtaining property under false pretenses, which is um, connected to him stealing the funds from the Satterfield settlement, and the distribution and sale of high quantities of the narcotic substance oxycodone. (gasps) So not only is he allegedly a stealing murderous Asshole. Allegedly. He's also a drug kingpin. Yep. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What is going on? He's really like, well, if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. Guys. I might as well. <laughs> you know, checking him off the list. Bingo card. Yeah. Bingo, bingo, bingo. So, um, as all of this is going on, it was, you know, revealed that Alex had been using the drug for a long time before the claims were leveled against him but would go on to say that his usage had heavily accelerated after the deaths of his wife and son. And, you know, you could either construe that as grief, you know, coping as people do, or maybe guilt, or a little bit of both. Yeah. I don't know, but I think it's kind of telling that, um, you know, all these things are connected. The spider web is webbing. Yeah, I don't think his drug usage spiking after the death of his wife and son is, like, I don't think it points to guilt because I think anyone who's already having problems with substances would really spiral (laughs) out of control after a death like that. Easy. Um, But with that said, spider web is spider webbing. It sure is. In other ways. (laughs) The red twine is twining. Yes. So, and that brings us to um, what I think is the most pertinent piece of evidence. Three. While staring down the barrel of a litany of mounting criminal investigations, Alex Murdoch attempted suicide by hitman. 
paying off his cousin, Curtis Edward Smith, to shoot him in the head three months after the deaths of his wife and son. Allegedly. Allegedly. No, 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 no. He admitted to this. Oh, okay. He 100 like, for real No, he 100% his lawyers were like, yeah, um, so. <laughs> so. My cousin's got a gun. <laughs> no. Not the copyright gun. Yeah. My cousin's got a gun. My cousin's got a gun. So. Obviously, this suicide by hitman attempt failed, leaving Alex only with minor cosmetic injuries. I'm sorry, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Isn't that insane? Like, that is so... Imagine your cousin coming to you after this, like, whirlwind of life events just happened to them, and then they're like, so hear me out. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to drive by, and you're going to shoot me in the back of the head. Here's a lot of money. Like, are you kidding me? No, I'm I'm dead serious. That's so insane. And I get it because, like, he... Well, I don't get... Because... Sorry. <laughs> I always figured he had... He had somebody do that to him because he wanted the life insurance. And he wouldn't get the life insurance money if he wasn't... If he would kill himself. But who was getting the life insurance money? It wasn't his... His oldest son. Oh, who's still alive. So... He was left with only minor injuries, blah, blah, blah. Initially, he claimed he'd been shot in a drive-by as he was bent over changing a tire on the side of the road. But once... Because that happens. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just randomly. Just like, randomly. <laughs> so, I see people changing their tire all the time and shoot. <laughs> you're like, look at this idiot. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's so, got his lung nuts all backwards. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> But um, once police identified the connection between the victim and the shooter, the claims fell to pieces. After the fact, he released a statement from the narcotics treatment facility he was being housed in during his recovery to publicly admit his guilt and apologize to his remaining family, after which he turned himself into the police. Um, Alex's lawyers admitted that he'd concocted the scheme to make his suicide look like a homicide, believing he wouldn't be able to give the money from his life insurance policy to his surviving son, Buster, if he killed himself. Mm. So you nailed it, right Mm -hmm. on the head. But when I was doing my research, the um, New York Times article I was checking out basically said that that was utter bullshit, Mm -hmm. and he would have received the money, like, regardless of his cause of death. So I was like, okay, but why, why wouldn't a lawyer, like, in some sense, be aware of that? Yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's like, you know, he knows all the ins and outs of the law. He's a, a drug kingpin. He's already got all this corruption going on. Wouldn't he be, like, aware that his son would get the money regardless? Yeah. So my thought is maybe he was just too much of a coward to do it himself. But that's, like, a really insane piece of conjecture. <laughs> or, like, a valor thing. Like, he yeah. didn't want to, like... Like, he wanted to go down, like... Mm-hmm. He, somebody bested him. Yeah. Not like he lost his pride. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, maintain his image. Yeah. Because that's what this is all about. Or he was coward. Yeah. So it could be a combination of things. So, like I said, doesn't really add up in that sense. However, as a result, Alex and Curtis were both arrested for multiple felony charges. It's oh my God. Of, yeah, so, I know this this poor <laughs> asshole that got completely like dragged into all of this. Yeah. So Curtis was arrested for aggravated assault, assisting in a suicide attempt, and insurance fraud. To this day, his lawyers claim that he'd been attempting to stop Alex from shooting himself by trying to grab his arm or the gun away from the last second, and that's how he was involved in this. Whether or not that's true, I don't fucking know. At the time of recording, he's been charged with four counts of money laundering, 
three counts of forgery, and criminal conspiracy. He posted bail on July 5th and was released after 10 days of incarceration. What year was that? This year, dude. Yeah. This July. A month ago. Less than a month month ago. ago. Yeah. So, Alex, on the other hand, was denied bail at his most recent hearing. He was indicted for the alleged double homicide of his wife and son on July 20th, 2022. Jesus. This brings the number of charges leveled against him to a whopping 85, which include his alleged involvement in the deaths of Stephen, Gloria, Mallory, Paul, and Maggie, along with fraud, money laundering, and of course, the, the planning of his own murder, mm-hmm. which is insane that you can be like charged with that. But, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know the law. <laughs> like, um, and going back to the Satterfield settlement that he like totally took advantage of the total amount of money he allegedly diverted from the Satterfields and his partners at PMPED totals an astonishing $8.5 million. Oh my God. So like, I'm just astonished that this guy was so like, and again, insane conjecture, so high on his own ego trip that he's like, not only am I going to attempt to get away with murder, allegedly, multiple times, I'm also going to embezzle funds from my family law firm, disenfranchise this family who is close to mine for 20 years, steal money from these kids whose mother fucking died, Mm -hmm. and also somehow be involved in the statewide distribution of oxycodone (laughs) like what it just seems like where do you draw the line it's just like such an icarus complex like it's so that's so insane absolutely and that is the perfect way to phrase it because in this in this entire scheme of events he really got way too close to the sun so and you also don't need 8.5 extra million dollars like i'm sure you were doing just fine in your little law firm Mm -hmm. your high power law firm Mm -hmm. like that's just such an insane amount of money to like risk all of these things and make all these people suffer Mm -hmm. like for what i just hate that the greed is just yeah appalling Mm -hmm. as of the time of this recording alex has already confessed to a number of these charges but maintains his innocence in the murders of maggie and paul as of August 1st of this year, three days ago, oh my God. rumors of a judicial gag order have begun to circulate throughout the courts handling the double homicide case. The defense has stated that this would be a vital move to prevent further disparagement of Alex's character, which might sway the opinions of the jury. Or, you know, this could be like a lingering favor tied to the Murdoch family's influence. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little yeah, bit of both. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's so interesting. That could either be like a really good thing or like a, oh, go fuck yourself. Exactly. You know, like. And the worst thing is we like have no idea of knowing and we probably won't until like years after this case has like been laid to rest yeah. and everything has been made available to public record. Like at this point, court documents tied to this case are already locked behind a paywall. <sighs> hiding even more evidence from the general public in the interim between the trial and Alex's sentencing. And of course, there's still the heavily redacted police reports. What we've gathered from the initial investigation of the Murdoch family and their legacy as kingpins of the low country judicial system paints a rather disturbing picture. There's still so many unanswered questions lingering just beyond our reach. What information will be brought to light as the trial progresses? 
Does the corruption within the low country legal system stop with the Murdoch family line? Or has the plague of abuse infected the entirety of the state? How was Buster Murdoch connected to the death of Stephen Smith? Why were Maggie and Paul killed in cold blood? We can only hope that these questions will be addressed in due time and that the families of the victims will receive the justice they truly deserve. All we can do now is wait and watch the downfall. It feels like a family saga crime novel. It doesn't feel like something that's currently happening. And we just finished book two. And now book three is in the works. (laughs) So we have to wait for the update, which makes me a little crazy because I just want, like, I want to be able to bookend this and be like, that's it. That's the answer. But like I said, there's still so many things we don't know yet. And we're just going to have to wait and hope that the gag order doesn't like completely obstruct any like public observance of the judicial system. So that's where we leave our case. (sighs) I just feel like the prosecution in his case is going to have a really hard time because he is already a really high powerful high power lawyer with mm-hmm. a lot of powerful connections thankfully he was disbarred but go on yeah but I mean, he's <laughs> he, when you're disbarred they don't suck that knowledge out of your brain mm-hmm. so like he still will like have not only will he have the money and the connections to hire a really powerful attorney but i feel like he'll be able to like help build that case in a way that is like a double punch mm-hmm. so <sighs> Good luck, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the prosecution really has their job cut out for them. But yeah. um, considering what we already know, just based on information that's been made public, I think there is a pretty damning picture being painted of the Murdoch family. Yeah. Um, my personal opinion, and I'm not a legal expert, is that this guy's guilty as shit. Yeah. And he really needs to go to jail and be held accountable for all the fucked up things he did. And, you know, there's probably more we don't know yet. So I'm... Like I said, I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm so interested. What? Do you, why do you think... Okay, alleg- let's say, hypothetically, allegedly, he killed Maggie and Paul. Why do you think he did it? If I'm going to fully lean into the whole, like, southern image family dynasty narrative that we've constructed over the course of these two episodes, my thought is, and this is really fucked up, is that he was ashamed of Paul because of what he did in his like BUI incident and how, you know, his what his actions did could have reflected back on the family, like the underage drinking, the accidental murder, boating under the influence, all that shit made his family look really bad. Yeah. So if this guy was already hopped up on Oxy and going through some crazy shit like mentally because his family was by proxy tied to the death of Stephen Smith and now Mallory Beach, he's not in the right headspace to make any kind, and, and Gloria, and yeah. Gloria. Yeah, yeah. He's spiraling. He sees the dominoes falling in front of his eyes and he looks at his son who has gone from his beloved golden child who can do no wrong to a career liability. Let's tie up a loose end. I agree And that. my assumption is obviously Maggie was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And she probably either walked in or voiced a issue (laughs) with him killing their kid. And he was like, you got to go too. And then I'm assuming after the oxy wore off, or maybe he was like struck with sobriety after doing the most fucked up thing you could do to your wife and child. He realized that he had fucked up. And so that's when he placed the 911 call. 
and that's when the paramedics showed up and that's when everything started to spiral i agree that is my theory yeah i'm on board with that a guess so they were outside when they were found yeah i just want to know the logistics i'm really curious we probably won't know for like three years yeah like why the dog kennel why was there a tow truck there yeah what's going on yeah we don't know he probably also would have i don't know do you know if if um she worked his wife maggie yeah um i didn't think to look into that no but if she was a stay-at-home mom that would like further compound everything i think having absolutely no autonomy from your husband yeah well i'm just thinking he probably would have also gotten life insurance money from her murder oh that's true but if she didn't work i don't know how much he would have gotten yeah i'm not sure how those things work well, obviously he didn't either because he thought he had to hire his cousin to kill him to get life insurance money. Uh, yeah, that's true. And the question <laughs> is, I, is that ignorance? Is that oxy? Is that yeah. a combination? I don't fucking know. Is it oxy or is it ignorance? <laughs> Maybelline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Season one merch out now. Mm. <laughs> so, well, yeah, well. that is the downfall of the Murdoch family. Crazy. Crazy. What'd you think? Oh. <laughs> it's our season finale! Oh, I know. It's It's been a wild ride. It's been a really wild ride. I what see. was your... What's the case that we covered this season that has, like, stayed with you the most? Stayed with me. Ooh, that's tough. I... I really enjoyed Elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. That one was fun to do because it had a lot of twists and turns. Same thing with Leonardo. That one was also a lot of fun. But honestly, if I had to say it, it's probably going to be Gilbert Paul Jordan. Yep. (laughs) That's what (laughs) I was going to say. Because that's the first one I did. It's also probably the most fucked up one I've done. And I haven't been able to stop thinking about it because he's just such a sick fuck. Oh my God. Yeah. Because that's another one like like the Murdoch murders. Mm -hmm. Alleged murders. Alleged. In which it's just so bizarre Mm -hmm. that it feels like it's not true crime yeah like it feels like it's something that some like sick weirdo made up Mm -hmm. and you're watching like the snuff film in your weird friend's basement and they're like isn't this so crazy and you're like i want to go home yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't feel safe anymore mom pick me up yeah yeah i would also probably say him him or i think um snake i think like if there was one case that i covered that was unsolved because that's practically all I did. Yes. Um, it would be and that I would want to solve. Uh-huh. That I would want to know the answer to. It would probably be Sneha. Yeah. Which like is maybe insensitive to say because obviously every unsolved case, like you want to give closure to the family and mm-hmm. everything, but that's just one case that is just like mm-hmm. I just I think about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I would love to know what happened to her. I would love to know what happened too. I also if I had to pick a favorite case that you did, I think it would have to be a tie between Tall Hot Blonde and Theranos mm-hmm. because Tall Hot Blonde was so satisfying. The yeah. double catfish yeah. was so good. Yeah. I love a little bit of karma. Thank you. You know me. And Theranos is fucking insane because I can just, I feel like I know that kind of girl boss. You know what I mean? Where it's just like <laughs> so respectfully delusional yeah (laughs) and like on her grind set mindset side hustle like pyramid scheme 
bullshit. Warpath, yeah. Warpath, yeah. Yeah, that they just end up in places where they shouldn't be. It's like, okay, yeah, I know a girl that's in an MLM in my hometown. Yes. That could be her. That could Same. be her on so a smaller... with, like, well intentions and, sure. like, big dreams yeah. and, like, you know... Just, just not a clear <laughs> mindset. Just you know? not ending up where they should be. Yeah. And you know what? It makes for a hell of a story. It makes for a hell of a true crime podcast, which yeah. we really did do this season. <sighs> Can you believe that, like, before February, I only knew you in the context of us, like, going out to a bar together? I know. And now I feel like you're one of my best friends. You were very Easy. much one of my best friends. Easy. You were like family to me. Like 100%. I'm not just saying that because the mimosa. Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> you were like literally family to me. I love you so much. I love you too. And I am like so excited about what next year is going to bring mm-hmm. in terms of the podcast, in terms of our lives, mm-hmm. what we do. It's going to be real exciting. And I'm Yeah. Who so knows? Excited. By mid-September, what we will be up to. Mm-hmm. Um, things happen quickly. Lauren mm-hmm. will probably have a new haircut. <laughs> And, yeah, I'll have a shaved head. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll come on here with, with lots of exciting things to talk about. Hopefully updates on some of these cases, especially the Murdoch case. Mm-hmm, that would be awesome. Speaking of updates, though, we do have a tiny bit of closure for uh-huh. one of our episodes. Yeah, that's a, this is a really nice full circle moment. Honestly, it is. I'm, I'm excited to be able to say that me doing the Summerton Man episode spoke into existence... <laughs> No, 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 no. I love how you just, like, proclaim that. It was me. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But they did identify the Summerton man after more than 80 years. They finally figured out who he is. So, using the DNA evidence that we discussed in our initial episode, they finally figured out that the identity of the Summerton man was a person by the name of Carl web that is so un. that's so surreal Mm -hmm. that you're saying that i know right it's like it literally feels like we manifested it but i will not claim that at (laughs) all it wasn't me but our um our scientist friend dr abbott from the university of adelaide used the dna evidence extracted from the life cast his body and a bunch of other random shit to figure out that he was an electrical engineer born and bred in Australia. He wasn't a spy. Yeah. He wasn't like some, I, he wasn't a drag queen or a pirate <laughs> or anything exciting. He was just a guy that was in his 40s or 50s that was traveling around Australia looking for his wife after they had fallen out of love and they finally figured out who he is. Yeah. Which is so crazy. That's so crazy. That is so crazy. I was telling Lauren because. When you told the story mm-hmm. and the police showed up to that... Remember the the woman's Jessica. phone number? Jessica. Yes. Her phone number was in the book found in the car mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. And they showed up to her house and they showed her the clay bust of his face. Yes. And she, like, went pale and mm-hmm. she, like, freaked out. Mm-hmm. I was, like... I was convinced up no, until this too. point that it was... That she knew something. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm just thinking, now that it's she does she didn't genuinely know anything. Yeah. I'm just thinking like if the police showed up to my house with a bust of a dead person <laughs> and they were like your phone number was on a book in his possession. I yep. would also be like, "Here's the dead guy." <laughs> yeah, you didn't recognize him. Here he is. I would also be like, "Uh, uh." <laughs> yeah, I would also be uncomfortable. But yeah. who knows? Maybe she knew the guy's ex-wife. Yeah, you you really don't fucking know. The mm-hmm. poor the poor lady passed away. I think in 2006. I might be misremembering that. It's been a couple episodes, but you know what? Things like this are what make doing this podcast so fucking fun yeah. because. 
it feels like in a way we're kind of connected to this a little deeper rather than just, I don't know, watching a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode and going, that's crazy. And then not thinking about it ever again. Exactly. Yeah, it just, I agree. It's, it's nice to feel like you're a part of something a little bigger and this is a really nice way to put a little bookend on this chapter of our podcast (laughs) and we've said this numerous times now but Mm -hmm. season two which we've yet to like formally rebrand but it will be more of an investigative deep dive podcast Mm -hmm. on like social issues trends culture Mm -hmm. um probably i'm assuming i'll do some true crime here and there yeah me too um but that's not going to be the main focus we're going to do I don't know, different topics. I think it would be really fun to do an episode on QAnon, discuss mm-hmm. kind of like the sociological impact of misinformation, talk about cults, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So maybe like a little on the darker side, but nothing super gory or heavy. Gilbert yeah. Paul Jordan is going to rest easy. Yeah. We're not going to talk about him oh, anymore. I hope he's not resting easy. <laughs> I hope he's burning. I hope he's like turning and burning. <laughs> Turn- Burn, burn, baby, burn. Just go and burn, oh, burn, baby, See, burn. Beyonce's new disco album came out. We don't know how to act. Literally. Thank God, you. this mimosa just hit so good. <laughs> Suddenly I need to eat some bread. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. thank you guys so much for joining us for the season finale of Magnum B.I. It's been a wild ride from start to finish. And for the last time for a couple months. Magnum, Magnum B.I. B.I. Bye. And Lauren. And this is... Magnum B.I., the podcast where we dive deep into a new topic each week. As per usual, we're going to add a little bit of comedy, a little bit of banter, and... The Adams Family. Do, 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 do. <laughs> we're back! We're back! <laughs> Season two! I literally cannot believe that we're actually recording this after two fucking months. I know. <laughs> it's been so long! I, like... For a little behind the scenes tidbit, we've done now four takes. Yes. <laughs> but now I think we're all warmed up. We've got the jitters out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're in costume. We're in costume. If you're not watching on our YouTube channel, or, we have. Or on TikTok or uh, something. Yeah. I don't fucking know. We have a new set. Yeah. We have Halloween costumes. We do. We have new accomplice for Bonita. We do. <laughs> and hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we'll have a better sound mic- sound equipment. Yes. Because we have microphones, but no cords to connect them to shit. So we're practicing. Hey, season two, episode two. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> In real life, we could not do that with the microphones. No, that anyway. would sound <laughs> um, So, Lauren, why don't you give our avid listeners a little mm-hmm. bit of like what season two is going to entail versus season one. That sounds excellent. So as we discussed at the end of season one, and if you didn't tune in, that's okay. We won't hate you. Um, We are kind of steering away from the true crime thing. We're doing more like almost investigative journalism, but we're doing social justice, a little bit of science, a little bit of spooky occasionally, but it's not going to be specifically true crime. Yes, yes, yes. I think it'll give us more of a, there were some, some times last season that we wanted to talk about, like, a crazy internet subculture, mm-hmm. or we wanted to talk about, like, 
a cult, like just like mm-hmm. things that we couldn't have necessarily done in the true crime genre. Mm-hmm. So or, I think this is giving us an opportunity. Yeah, or even just topics that were a little less heavy. I remember specifically during the, um, I think it was the Eileen Warnos episode, I was like, oh shit, we really picked like the worst possible topic for two depressed people to banter yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh no. Especially with winter coming. Yeah, it's you like, know? okay, we're going to up the Zoloft and we're going to change the theme. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so we're back and better than ever. We're back. What have you been up to since we last filmed? I got a job. She got a job. I got a job. She got a bomb job. It's too. been really good so far. I've been doing school shit. Planning on dyeing my hair black. So as I promised last season, I'm back with new hair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, what about you, Casey? What have you been up to? Um, I'm in grad school now. Eee, that's so exciting. Which I wasn't last time. Uh-huh. Um, it's a lot. Uh-huh. I am constantly doing something. It's true. He's always busy and doesn't have always. any time for me. I don't. <laughs> and I you never come you. to see your mother anymore. <laughs> you never come and visit your wife. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, it's good. I enjoy it. Um, I am staying busy. Mm-hmm. And I am, like, beyond glad to be back doing season two. I know! It, like I said, it feels so crazy to actually be back recording again. We had a bunch of jitters, yep. and we got out of our system, and now I'm really excited to get into our topic for this week. Which is? It's a little bit of a nod to our true crime past. We couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't get rid of it completely, uh-huh. so we've got... A little bit of Halloween hysteria to kick off season two. Let's get into it. Let's do it. 